the Bears Nation Podcast, powered by ONTAP Sports Network, Bears Nation. Field stands in, delivers, intercepted, Clay Walker's got it, Walker still on his feet, Walker's still going, looking for the end zone, Clay Walker is in, touchdown! It's the same old story. Again. I'm just a sucker. I mean, yeah, it sucks. It sucks. You know, rivalry week one going against the Packers. I mean, it sucks. We can't never let this happen again this year. You know, the type of team we are, the type of players we have, the things we want to accomplish. We got to get these corrected. We got to get it corrected fast. Nobody's in good spirits. I mean, this one, th- th- this one hurts. This is the first game. This hurts. This is a division opponent. All the guys in there are, are you know, sick to their stomachs. And, but we also know it's the first game, and we got to get better. It's the Bears Nation podcast. We've got to get through to Chicago. Here's your hosts. Kevin Lapka and Jake Hassan. Don't lose faith, guys, right? It's Bears Nation, baby. Let's go. All right, welcome on in. It is Monday, September 11th, and the Chicago Bears are 0-1 to start the season. This is Bears Nation podcast, our inaugural season in-season episode, if you will. And uh, Kevin Lapka started this show before we even hit start. Said, I don't even want to be here anymore. I don't even, the quote, I think you should leave, obviously. And I really don't want to do this, uh, which is usual, unusual because uh, Kevin Lapka is usually the optimism guy, the energy guy of this show. And uh, it's not it's not really what's happening today. Uh, how you, how you doing, buddy? I, not great. Not great. Um I don't want to face the music. I, I don't. I don't. I don't want to have to do it. I don't want to sit across from you and have to admit that you might be right about something for once in your life. Yep. I just. I, I don't want to do that, and I'm gonna be forced to do it because boy, was I wrong. Uh, but like, sure, you're vindicated, but you're not feeling great either. Oh no, that was horrific. I mean, that was horrific. It was, yeah, it was not fun. Uh, for anyone who may be just coming out of a coma and may have list, missed the last events of the last 24 hours. Um, Be grateful. The Bears just get absolutely shellacked to open the season against Green Bay. It was an ugly game from start to finish. It was a close game in the first half-ish. And you kind of made it a game, but then just everything falls apart. Classic Bears, exactly what I tried to tell Kevin Lapka on the show. History is bound to repeat itself. It's Bears. It's Packers. We know how this story is going to go. It's not going to change and here we are once again the bears get embarrassed by the packers at home the losing streak stretches to nine and the offense looks horrendous the defense does not look good can't stop anybody uh aaron jones runs all over you stop me if you heard that one before doesn't matter the quarterback the packers are still the packers the bears are still the bears and uh yeah it's week one it's only been one week but i think that and we said this a little bit last week that if you had at least made it close and that if you had at least shown signs of progression and that you could be a good team possibly, or that you could at least take the next step that you would take a loss and you wouldn't feel great about the loss, but you'd be able to walk away with some silver lining. Can't even do that today uh, because the offense, as I said, looks at church. I was almost dead on by the way, with how the game was going to start. Do you remember that? Do you remember this conversation? Yeah, I do. That I said, we were going to, the bears were going to start, they were going to take the ball and they were going to go run, screen, run. Oh my God. And then they were going to punt. I was almost right on the screen gets the first down and things continue to progress from there. But I was almost directly correct. And I honestly wish I was because I, for basically the entire offseason, I mean, I thought we were done with screen passes. Kevin Lapko. Like I, I thought, I thought screen passes being the majority of the game plan were so far behind us. And yet you have two throws all day that go more than 20 yards stunner their big plays and one ends in a touchdown, but mostly dink and dunk screen passes runs that go nowhere. And Justin Fields has 20 completions gets over 200 yards has a touchdown, but it just, it was ugly and it wasn't, most of it wasn't even him. It was a lot of screen passes. It was a lot of nothingness and just empty yards, empty plays that go nowhere. I mean, I, where to start? Where to start? I, I mean, I think we start with that first failure of a third and fourth down attempt. 
to try and first you try the sneak with Cole Komet to get the first down. That doesn't work. Then you go for it on fourth and like inches, which I was surprised by. I thought Matt Eberflus was going to punt for sure. Yeah. Goes for it. Justin Fields has like this half-hearted kind of. I wouldn't call attempt. it half-hearted. It, it Stop wasn't. It. They just didn't win a lot of scrimmage. They didn't win a lot of sure, scrimmage. It was he was forced like, to go over the top. It was just odd. Like there wasn't a reach. Like he didn't reach. I don't know. It was, it was bizarre. Just to me. Okay, maybe half-hearted wasn't the word. It was bizarre. It was a bizarre, it, just it like how play. he approached it. Yeah, two back-to-back bad plays on third and one, and then fourth and inches. The spot wasn't helpful. You you know you can make your gripes there with the refs and the chains, whatever you want to do there, but. I mean, let's just start there because that was just some bizarre play calling in a key spot that, Kevin, you talked about last week where you could open the game and you score and you take control of the game right away. And really, you win that fourth down conversion. Like, that's a big, that's a swing play. You change the course that, of the that, game. That is a huge play in the game that then, I mean, wasn't it so deflating? Like, so deflating. Thir- back-to-back plays, weird plays that you don't convert, and it's just the air gets sucked. I mean, I was sitting in a bar. With a couple of our friends. And I'm sitting there, and just you could feel the air just leave the room. As soon as, like, mm-hmm. it was third down, they don't get it. Everyone's like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. Oh, they're going to go for it. And then kind of excitement, that trepidation starts to build up. They're going for it on fourth and one. You know, that's how the Bears pick their spots when they're trying to be aggressive. And then they don't get it. And then just immediately it felt like you knew exactly where the game was going. Yeah, and that- then it did. <laughs> it went exact to the, that exact pit of hell. You had the opportunity, right? I mean, we talked about, I, I think I said, like, hey, if you win the coin toss, I all, I think I said something along the lines of, like, whoever wins the coin toss is, like, going to win the game or something. Not you, like it, that. Yeah, but like, something along those like, lines. Win the coin toss, set the tone, like, you have to do that. They win the coin toss, they get the ball. Well, I don't know. I actually didn't see the coin toss. Did they defer or did they I, win? I, I, don't, no I didn't either. I missed that part Bottom as line well. is they had the football. They had the opportunity to be at home and score first in week one, set the tone, and the rest is history, right? Like, that's what you had to do. And, like, if we knew that that was probably what should have happened, how do the coaches not know that? Like, this is that's what this boils down to. Like, that, like, and that's what we're segueing to when we talk about where to start. Like, that's the storyline. Like, the storyline is coaching and the story, and specifically offensive coaching, specifically Lucchetti, but that, like, because of what Lucchetti did does not absolve Matt Eberflus from everything that sure. occurred today. Like, they looked unprepared. They looked unmotivated to start that game. Like, yes, it, I agree with it, that. Like, you, you got to come out and punch them in the damn mouth, and they punch, and and they didn't do that. And the Packers punch you right back, and then they kept punch you. Like Sean Strickland against Adesanya on Saturday night it was just boom, 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 boom after that first knockdown, and the rest was history. Like that, that's what it was. And I just, I, it's ba- it's baffling. It is baffling that you you have six months or whenever the schedule is released in May, right? You have, you have five, four months, right? You have four months to prepare for this opponent. Well, four and the months teams to prepare probably for this know game. ahead of even ahead of week. Even ahead so. of it, yeah, probably. You you know who you're playing. You know all the personnel, and you get a little lucky because they miss one of their biggest p- playmakers in Christian Watson days before the game. You know you're playing Jordan Love. Sure, he's <laughs> only started one game, but you have enough film. You, you you know what his limitations are, what he's capable of. You've seen a lot of the players on this team in the years past with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, and even Romeo Dobbs last year in the offensive line. Like you know what's ahead of you. You have four months to prepare. And you come out, and it's your first drive. It's scripted plays. This is supposed to be the best drive. Hey, you were 76% on opening drives last year. You were there's like the one department you're good at, and that's what you come out with? Lateral passes, screen passes, you know, runs with no push, nothing down the field. You don't even use the guy you trade the number one overall pick for in the first yep. you know, few drives of the game. What are you doing? It's illogical. It's, un- it's unfathomable. Like, I've thought about it since... The game ended at you know six thirty last night, and there hasn't been a single reason that crossed my mind of why that this was the game plan. And I tried to convince myself, and I tweeted it that at the first half, I said, you know what, maybe that this is a brand new team, a lot of change. I don't blame Luke Getzey in that first half for taking it conservative, getting people acclimated, getting the O line acclimated after all the injuries, and getting everybody on the same page. And then, hey, second half, you catch them off guard. The safeties are playing down. You hit them over the top, right? You know, you 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 exposed them in the second half after everything that you kind of set up in the first half. But that didn't happen either. So now there's no logical explanation for anything that we saw offensively in the first quarter and throughout the game. And I know we'll have a separate conversation about Justin Fields, but as 
what we're talking about right now is coaching. They were unprepared. It makes no sense how we were unprepared. We knew the magnitude of the moment. The fans knew the magnitude of the moment. The city knew the magnitude of the moment, and apparently the Bears did it. Yeah, I mean, the game plan is a really good point here because it didn't seem like a game plan. It was weird. It was like everything that we've been hearing all offseason about how they want to be explosive and Justin Fields wants to throw for 3,000 yards and so on and so forth. And it just wasn't that. It was all, like I said, all these screen plays and all these plays that just went nowhere. And some of that was the offensive line. Once again, Justin Fields was having to run for his life a lot of the time. And there was no push from the offensive line, as you said, Kevin. And it was just, okay, Justin Fields, let's hope you can be an athlete and make a play. And he did do that a couple of times. But you can't base, like, that doesn't win you football games. It might a couple times. You know, you might win one or two games, but it's not going to win you multiple games. It's not going to win you a game like that. Like, Justin Fields can bail you out only so many times until it just your luck runs out, and that's what you saw. I mean, DJ Moore, like you said, gets two targets. They all they both come in the second quarter, uh, and then Chase Claypool just doing dumb stuff all day long. Just, I mean, when he was existent, though, was, was a negative. Penalties. You know, getting penalties, and it's just doing weird Stuff. I mean, everything about this franchise is just so disappointing. It seems like either Luke Getze maybe doesn't trust Justin Fields, and as you said, we'll get into that conversation. But let's get into it now. Can I, we get into that I right mean, now? So one thing that I one stat that I wanted that I saw from Tom Fernelli of CBS Sports that Justin Fields' air yards per temp was three point something, mm-hmm. sandwiched directly in between Desmond Ritter and Baker Mayfield yeah, I yesterday. I mean, just disgusting. Desmond Ritter. And Baker Mayfield. And Baker Mayfield, say whatever you want. But Desmond Ritter, come on. Like, Justin Fields is able to throw the ball. We've seen it. We, we saw it yesterday on the touchdown throw to Mooney. It was a great throw. But it just seems like Luke Getze is unwilling to let Justin Fields throw the ball anywhere beyond the sticks. It's crazy. Like, we'll not let him throw the ball barely behind beyond the line of scrimmage. I think I saw another one, and I forget where I saw it. It was on Twitter. X, whatever, that Justin Fields threw the longest distance between his completions and the first down marker. Like, and it was like seven yards or something Mm -hmm. was the distance between the average of Justin Fields' targets and then the distance to the first down marker, which is insane. I get it. You added playmakers and you like Cole Komet. If you're not going to use DJ Moore, and we like Darnell Mooney, but like, you, you can't expect those guys. To make those plays every single time. That's crazy. And then, I I mean, I'll save this for later, but I mean, the things that were said after the game were so bizarre, too, by some of the players. But, yeah, I mean, Luke Getze just seems to not trust Justin Fields. unwilling to let him throw the ball, Kevin. Like, part of me still wants to believe that the reasoning for that is that Getze knows that the offensive line cannot give him enough time to even take shots on the field, so they're not designing, you know, plays for that but that like this is the like if there's a if there's any if the bears aren't a playoff team right if you if you progress if. and you win it's it would it, was not even talk about that right now <laughs> if you win seven games okay. you have to know if Justin Fields like that Correct. we all know that this is we have to know if Justin Fields is the guy you're not going to learn that if this is the game plan also true. And, you know, Justin Fields came on the post-game press conference. I, I I think Justin Fields is very good about, you know, saying the right things, taking accountability, taking responsibility, not making excuses. But he said that the game plan was horizontal, more lateral passing than vertical passing. Yep, he sure did. So here's the next step of the maturation process for Justin Fields. Because I think what we saw on the field was fine. I, I I'm like, again, we'll, we'll break this down. You need to go into the office today mm. in Luke Getty's office and say, no more of this bullshit. We're, we're doing things my way now. Like, th- this is how we're doing it. And I know he's a, he's a very coachable player. He's going to listen to his coach. He's going to do what he's told. Sometimes he's got to be the asshole. Aaron Rodgers for 20 years in Green Bay was an asshole. I mean, Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler, asshole, right, with the Mike Martz years. Yeah. He literally said fuck you to him on the on the field yep. and ran his own play. And I think they probably, I think they gained yards on the play, like a deep shot to Alshon Jeffrey or something. I'm not saying Luke gets, or I'm not saying Justin Fields has to say, fuck you to Luke Getze, but you got to go in there and say, man, like I, I, whatever you're trying to do, we're not doing that anymore. We're, you got to trust me. We're throwing the ball down the field. We have DJ Moore here. We have a great connection. The one time we threw the ball down the field, it's a touchdown to Darna Mooney. You give me, you give me a little bit of time and you give me a, a down the field play. I'll make the right throw. He did that. It was a perfect ball to Mooney in the end zone. 
which is like wow, shocking. But like he needs to take and and I'm and he's a good leader too. Mm-hmm. He's a good leader with his with his teammates. But he needs to go into Eberflus's office today, into Luke or, or they're probably out today, but on Tuesday, into Luke Getzi's office on Tuesday. And say, this is the way we're going to do things now. Because yesterday is unacceptable. Yesterday didn't work. We're not going to win football games that way. We didn't win football games doing that last year. We have a more talented team. We had the more talented team on Sunday. And it didn't look that way. It didn't appear that way. We have to make changes. And he has to assert that. All the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history, especially the recent ones. Patrick Mahomes does that, I guarantee. He he and and that's what, you know, that's the reason they hired Matt Nagy as offensive coordinator in Kansas City is because those two work so well together and they bounce off of each other. I don't see that with Luke Getze and Justin. I don't see bouncing off of each other. All I see is Luke Getze telling Justin Fields to do all this lateral shit and Justin kind of being like Probably in the back of his mind, well, I know that's a dumb decision, but I'm gonna do it because I'm a coachable player and I'm, you know, I'm a good teammate. But Man, he's got he he. My message to him: be a little bit of an asshole right now. You you have to take authority. You have to take leadership with those coaches and say we're gonna do things my way. If it doesn't work, guess what? It ain't gonna get worse than what we saw last week. Um, and the times that they have done it in years past, it has worked. So he has a little bit of historical evidence to prove that hey, this is the right thing to do. So that's kind of what I'm taking away from it. Like it feels like he should go in there. And take authority and say, this is the way we're doing things. One thing that I want to focus on that you said is some about how, you know, Luke Getze might not trust the offensive line to create the protection to take deep shots. That still doesn't make sense even for screens because, okay, if you're not trusting the offensive line to create enough time for Justin Fields to, you know, get the ball deep down the field, how are you going to trust the offensive line to block and create space on a screen pass? Like that's the almost more those, difficult, right? Honestly. I would, I would argue so. Yeah. And so that just doesn't really make sense. I agree. Justin Fields isn't going to do that. He's not going to barge in the, like, it's just not, not who he is, but I agree that you said like he, he no bones about it. He said, yeah, this was the game plan. How can that be your game plan? In what, in what instance in NFL history has an offense built on screen passes ever worked for anyone, especially the Niners. I mean, the West Coast offense, Niners with Garoppolo. But but I mean, also look at what the Niners like. The Niners have weapons, like, and they have one of the the Bears have weapons too now. But I mean, also the Bear, the Niners had Kyle Shanahan and one of the better coaches in the league. And it's just, yeah, I, I mean, it's just bad all around. And I think we're focusing on the offense, obviously, because that's what we were excited to see. But the defense was brutal. It started great. It started like they, the defense keeps you in it for a long time. And I mean, Tyreek Stevenson's trying to lay the hammer on people behind the line of scrimmage. That was awesome to see. Uh, it started fine. And the defense gave you some juice, especially after that failed conversion attempt. But just the coverage, like the amount of times that the Packers had third and eight, third and nine, third, third and 10, and you just let yeah. them convert every single time like you could not buy a stop it was uh, it was insane it was asinine it was crazy and you just didn't press at all you rushed for every single time you didn't try to put and, and I get it you don't have a lot of pass rushers but that's what you signed Demarcus Walker for that's what you signed Yannick Ngakwe for because you're trying to at least rectify that and it didn't even seem like you tried kind of like how Luke Getzey didn't even seem to try to create you know a, a vertical offense it seemed like you know, Alan Williams and the defensive coaches didn't even try to to put Jordan Love under any kind of duress. They just let him sit back there and wait for guys to get open, which they did because you were playing very, very soft, you know, coverage, mm-hmm. and just wait for guys to get open. Mm-hmm. And he did, and then he got burned for it every single time. Yeah, I mean, the defensive game plan was also baffling, and like. We know that the pressure and the, and the front four is not great, and we knew that going in. But man. Uh, and credit to Dan Bernstein from Six Seven The Score, who said this when I was, you know, working before this. Justin Jones did not appear on the stat sheet. Jeez, you all you have to do is touch a player on a tackle, and you get an assist. Mm-hmm. Did not show up on the stat sheet. No, Travis Homer had more tackles on Sunday than Justin Jones did. Unbelievable. Yeah. So 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 this so. Yannick Ngakwe was fine, right? He had a sack. He he was the only guy. He had two tackles for loss. He was, you know, getting around. I thought oh, Tremaine and also had, he was signed a month ago. Signed a month ago. He was, right. He was, he, you signed him off the street a month ago. Yeah. Tremaine Edmonds was fine. 
two tackles for loss. TJ Edwards, overall 14 tackles, had the one tough play against Aaron Jones on the Texas route. Yep. Uh, but you know, you don't want your you don't want your linebacker covering a running back in this situation anyway. Correct. But that's kind of just you know. That's what it calls for. There probably should have been safety help there anyway, so he doesn't run for a freaking 40-yard touchdown. Uh, mm-hmm. Nonetheless, this is what needs to happen up front. Justin Jones should not see the field next week. Andrew Billings should not see the field next week. What do you why not just keep why not just throw Gervon Dexter and Zach Pickens into the what do you have to lose? These yeah. are young guys who are going to bring a little bit of energy, bring you might get you on the damn stat sheet. I mean, Gervon Dexter was on the stat sheet. Zach Pickens played like 17% of the snaps. Get these guys on the field. You're getting nothing from Andrew Billings and from Justin Jones and even from obvious, you know, Demarcus Walker. I mean, he had two tackles and one tackle for loss, but uh, we know what's there at edge. But specifically for those guys in the middle, I mean, what do you have to lose? I mean, th- yeah. that was the root of all issues, it felt like. Like, the secondary can only hold up so long. And I thought that the secondary would be good. And that was where we just kind of look up at the TV. Yeah. And that's the Eddie Jackson. That's a bad play on Eddie Jackson. The first touchdown to Romeo Dobbs. He kind of yeah, just lets that him was bad. You know, get behind. That's a bad play by Eddie there. And he kind of took accountability for it uh, on there saying that's on him. But you got to get pressure. Jordan Love had all day. The ball kind of bounced their way as well. Like on that. Like how 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 is Luke Musgrove open with not a defender within 40 yards? And I know it was a kind of a weird play where Still, Jordan Love fumbles the football, but that was designed. It's not like, oh, Luke Musgrove. No, that was designed. Like Greg Olson drew it out. I thought Greg Olson was terrible yesterday anyway. Uh drew, drew it out. Like that was a you know a, a route that was a concept that was designed and no one was there. But it starts up front. The secondary can only hold up for so long. Kyler Gordon might be out for a couple weeks. He left the game early with a hand injury. This they they gotta figure something and they gotta say, you know what, if we can't get the pressure, send Jermaine Edmonds. Send send Jack Sanborn. Like you have to yeah. do something. Your leading sacker last year was Jaquan Brisker. You gotta find a way to make it different. Yannick Ngakwe hopefully can, you know, continue to progress after being signed just a month ago. But for me, like the only solution that I can find is Obviously, blitzing more, I think, in certain situations, you know, like, like, don't be afraid to blitz on third and 13. I know you want to drop back into coverage and try to prevent that, but look what look what that did for you last week against an offense that's, you know, had receivers named Romeo Dobbs, Samari Toure, and Jalen Reed. Well, to be fair, Romeo Dobbs might actually be kind of good. He actually might be good. But without Christian Watson and a rookie tight end, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you're letting these things happen. I, I just... No excuse not to have Dexter and Pickens out there as the starters next week. No excuse. None. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. And somebody in the chat, football CF Candy, said something interesting about Eberflus and potential coaching change. He's a, if the team hits under five wins, do people have to boycott to try and force a coaching change? I don't think that's going to happen regardless. I think if they win zero games, like maybe Eberflus is gone, but even then... Because if they win zero, one, two, three, four games under five, whatever, like I still think that that means that Justin Fields is the scapegoat, probably in his third year. They say, okay, he didn't do enough. He didn't take the leap. He's out. Mm. He wasn't our guy anyway. Ugh. So now, in that instant, instance, you have a top 10 pick, at least one. We'll see what Carolina does. They're probably going to lose a bunch of games. But if you have two top 10 picks, then you are looking at packaging those picks for. Caleb Williams or Drake may at the top of the draft. And then ownership gives Ryan Poles and Matty Reflus probably at least two more years to say, all right, you got your quarterback. And then we just do this whole cycle yeah. over again, because then the quarterback outlasts the coaches, but then the quarterback's still young enough where a new coach says, well, I can make this work. And then <laughs> that quarterback scenario. is gone. And then the new regime says, well, we didn't have our guy and on and on and on we go until we just die. I just, I, I, I was asking myself this yesterday and I know that these are two of the best coaches in the NFL, but like, I think the bears win that game with Cal Shanahan. I think the Bears win that game with Sean McVay. I think the Bears win that game with Matt LaFleur. I, I hate to say that because I was oh, under yeah. the belief but that I mean, Matt— you, you, I, you just mentioned I, all like three I, of the best coaches in the league, though, like you said. Yeah, I mean, well, and, and well, for me, the verdict was kind of out on Matt LaFleur just because 
I thought that Rogers. with Aaron Rodgers gone, you know, he might get exposed, right? And I made analogies to like, oh, like Frank Vogel and David Blatt when LeBron left, and you know the way Bill has looked since Tom Brady, left, you know, all those different things, right? Um, and I thought he was going to get exposed, but hey, that guy actually might be a really good coach. His game plan against the Bears' defense yesterday was phenomenal. He did a, a really good job of putting Jordan Love in, in favorable situations and getting guys open, and like to acknowledge that, yeah, Matt Eberflus is a second-year head coach. But to acknowledge that the Bears would have won the game with the other coach as your coach is, is it's a sobering thing. It's a really sobering thing. Well, because you know, this is a fun exercise, actually. I, I want to run through this really quick. Do the Bears win this game with Kevin Stefanski? Yes. Do they win this I game with, yesterday? Do they win this game with Zach Taylor? Uh, yes. Do they win this game with Brian Dable? I think yes, even Probably. though I think yesterday was just kind of a one of those days tough. for the Giants. Do they win? I mean, I think we Mike I think the McDaniel, Cowboys might yes. also be the Super Bowl champions, but yeah. Anyway, that's a that's that's a different that, that will be in spite of their coaching, though. Um, do the Bears win this game with Brandon Staley? That might be the first no. I'm gonna I'm I uh, I'm gonna say no to that. I'm gonna say no to that. It's you know, close. You know. You know. It's gonna be. The Bears absolutely win this game if Dan Campbell is the head coach. And yeah, I believe that 100%. one billion percent. From what I saw on Thursday night, I believe that. And I think the Lions got bailed out. I think they did not really deserve to win that game. I think the Chiefs beat themselves more than they beat the Lions. Um, but nonetheless, that team was prepared. That team was ready. That team looked motivated. Do the Bears win this game with Shane Steichen? Absolutely not. That is I think that's kind of an absurd <laughs> comment. I didn't see anything from Steichen yesterday. That, although you, you, you had a chance... I mean, it was a two-score game, and Anthony Richardson goes out, which preserved the Jaguars' cover, by the way. I thought I was losing that for sure, but as soon as I saw Baker Mayfield coming in for fourth and goal with the game on the line, yeah, it was good. Anyway, um, yeah, just, uh, I don't know. The verdict is out on Matt Eberflus. He had his moments last year, for sure, but it's just, we'll see. I mean, so honestly, like, we may possibly learn more this upcoming week, and we'll get into this on Wednesday when we do yeah. the preview, but I think this is going to be like, yes, the Buccaneers beat the Vikings, but the Vikings were a prime regression candidate. Kirk Cousins turns back into yeah. a pumpkin, but it's still the Bucks. It's still Todd Bowles and Baker Mayfield. Uh, it's and, still Todd Bowles. What does that mean? It's Todd Bowles. He's been terrible. As a right. Coach. No, that's what I mean. Oh, I that's, what okay, I'm, that's okay, what I'm okay, saying. Okay, okay, like, it's still Todd yeah, Bowles yeah, yeah. and <laughs> Baker Mayfield. Like, it's, and, but they go like, what I said when we did our season preview, pretty good defense still. And so it's like this upcoming game, and we'll get into this again on Wednesday, like I said. It's going to be a pretty big barometer of what the rest of the season is going to be, I think. So there's Yeah, there's, there's a couple things that matter for coaches and for teams in general, right? Like, you know, being prepared for games, you know, and all that week one, like all, all that matters. But the second, if not most important thing for Super Bowl champion team, I'm not saying the Bears are Super Bowl champions, but for, for good teams that want, that you want to see progress, how do you respond to adversity, right? How And, and from a game-to-game standpoint, from an in-game standpoint, you know, all of those things, they didn't do it from an in-game standpoint. They did not respond to the adversity well on Sunday. But from the small sample size we have of a year with this coaching staff, they've been able to handle adversity game-to-game pretty well, right? And, and the biggest example of that was the mini buy that we will reference we referenced so many times yeah. right but those are real things those also are real that things. you went on a losing streak and you could you know yeah, talk about and, if you were trying to lose again those games, it's just though. so hard it's hard yeah it's hard to evaluate that because it felt like they were trying to lose and, and all that but like I, I I do believe that in general this is a coaching staff that may be able to handle adversity well and stay composed right like I don't I don't think the ceiling for Matt Eberflus as a head coach is high at all. But maybe he's not a guy that lets the locker room collapse. Maybe he's sure. not a guy that lets the team crumble and fall apart. And that's the hope that well, I his have. His ceiling is probably being Zach Taylor, right? No, that, this, that's too high. Zach Taylor's you think that's too high? I, I, I but, don't. Like, but that Super Bowl run was more about Joe Burrow. Burrow and like, like, does anyone really yeah. think that Zach Taylor is like an awesome coach? Not awesome, but. He's a slightly above average. Sure. So maybe, and if that's a ceiling, that could be good enough for you to win the Super Bowl. It's just not a guy who's probably going to be here for as long Ever, as you'd want yeah. him to be here, right? Forever, which is, you know, the ideal situation. Um, but when you, the, the thing that you said that stuck out to me was, I think we'll learn more about this team next week than we will from the first week. And I think you're absolutely right. And I tweeted this because 
Yeah, like, I can't roll it back and say it's just week one. Sure. I was the one who came on the podcast and said the magnitude of this game and everything, like, I'll be in perpetual hell if we lose and all these different things. Yep. Like, I can't roll that back. The significance of this loss will linger, and it should linger, and those things are 100% true. But from an obje- objective standpoint, the perception of your team week three and four versus week one is always wildly different. Sure. I came on the podcast last year after week one and said, I think the Bears have a shot to maybe sneak into the playoffs after they beat the Niners. Fair. That you know, is fair. That and I happens. think you probably weren't that far ahead, but you were like, Optimistic. yeah, hey, they might win seven, yes. eight games. Yes. D- Giants fans probably think their team is cooked. Bengals fans probably think the, this this season is in jeopardy, right? Sure. These things will change in three weeks. And I'm not saying the Bears are still going to win 10, 11 games. Like, I'm not going to do that anymore. Like, those are preseason things. Like, you got to play week by week. Now, I'm not going to do any more projections and predictions. But you have an opportunity to change the narrative. You have the opportunity to beat a team that you're better than in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and then go and try to make a statement against a Chiefs team that's kind of reeling without Chris Jones and all of these different factors. And they lost to Detroit and all that. And we'll, we'll break that down in a couple weeks. But you're going to, you're right. You're going to learn more about how they respond to the adversity that they faced in a absolutely crushing loss, and everyone knows in that locker room how bad that loss was. Well, guess what? Pick yourself back up, have a good week of practice, and go kick the Buccaneers' ass next week. And if they do that, Jake, if they do that, if they were to win by 14-plus or even 10-plus or even 7-plus next week, like, what's our perception of this game at that point? Like, like, do we go back, and then at that point do we say, hey— Maybe it was a lot of new pieces. Maybe it just was. Like, it's sure. still inexcusable. But mm-hmm. maybe there's more things we can look at for, hey, this is why this happened. I think that if the Bears just absolutely trounce the Buccaneers, like you're saying, I think the narrative is not, oh, well, the Bears might actually, maybe they figured something out. Unless... Unless it's a drastically different play calling situation where you're taking shots down the field and the defense is playing much tighter coverage. Because because the thing is, like with Tampa, I, I know the focus is on their defense and that might be how you lose that game. It it's a lot of the they have really good receivers still. Mike Evans, did you see the touchdown catch he had yesterday? He's really good. So yeah, I mean we'll get into that Wednesday. But I think to answer your question. I think the perception and the narrative would be more like, oh, well, it's Tampa being Tampa. They're falling back down to earth. And I think the narrative is, well, the Bears aren't as bad as they looked against Green Bay, Mm -hmm. but also the Buccaneers are not as good as they looked against Minnesota. I think it'll be more about everybody else and not about the Bears is what I think will happen. I want to ask you something about, because we kind of alluded to it a little bit, and it's something that you said. You said you can't walk it back, that you can't say, oh, you know, uh, it's just week one. Does it bother you at all that some of the players were saying, oh, well, it's week one, you know, it happens? No, because that's the mentality you have to have if you're a player. Like, like, and, and it, it seemed, wasn't, it wasn't it just, just seemed that. dismissive to me. I don't think it was dismissive because like, and the I quotes think, out of context, obviously, but I think are you referencing DJ Moore? Cause he was well, on more the uh, Tremaine Edmonds said the same thing as well. I think uh, DeMarcus Walker said the same thing as well. I mean, I, or, I, in that same vein, I think, TJ Edwards was yeah. the only one that was like, yeah, this sucks. Like this really hurts. It's the Packers said that too. Fields. Well, yeah, obviously, obviously. but like uh, DJ, of the new guys I was uh, pointing out. I mean, I think in general, like they know everyone, like I, I think I didn't feel as if it was dismissive. Like, I felt like I think everyone knows the magnitude of the loss. And for most of them, it's now, and for, for all of them, it's now we have to have a move on mentality. We, sure. you, you are forced to have that mentality now. You know what I mean? Like, you are forced to look past week one. Like, you can't let that, if you let that linger, that's when things sure. fall apart. So I think that's kind of what they're trying to, you know, make the message in the locker room be is, hey, we understand that loss. Soak on it and think about it on, on Sunday and Monday and think about how shitty that feels so you make sure it doesn't happen again. But on Tuesday, it's a new week. We're 0-0. It's, a, it's you, know, you know, start the season fresh, basically. Put that one to the side, and 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 you show yourself as a new football team from now on. So I didn't feel like it was dismissive, and I don't, and I'm sure there's people who saw it that way, or like, oh, they're not taking accountability, they're making excuses of just week sure. one. I don't think that's the case. I just think that in this situation, you're forced to to try and uh, and try and move on. So, yeah, I want to address another question. Uh, football CF Kenny made another good point. Like, how much blame does polls take here? 
as of right now, uh, on today, Monday, following a loss, yeah, a lot because you know that was the criticism. Oh, you invested in linebackers instead of the pass rush, and and you passed on Jalen Carter, which I mean, yeah, Jalen Carter looked awesome, but like, does anyone think you didn't need offensive line help? Is the problem too? So kind of were in a lose lose situation. Um, Jalen Carter might be generational, but also you really needed Darnell Wright on this offensive line. So it's hard to say. I am. Uh, I'm a little worried about Ryan Poles' approach to the offseason, to answer your question uh, in the chat, but I think that, like Kevin said, things can change in three weeks. Like, does anyone think that Tremaine Edmonds isn't good at football? Like, does anyone think that, you know, it's just that, yes, you had other things. I forget who it was. Uh, It was Draymond Jones who was under contract. He maybe wanted to trade but then got an extension um, or somebody. Um, I forget which defensive lineman, but I digress. Um, Yeah, I mean, a little concerned, but that was always the case. Like that, that was the thing is too. like and Shane said it was Shane obviously is out of here, but he uh, made a comment in the chat before he left that it's the way you lost. And we kind of addressed it in the beginning of the show. It's not just that you lost it, that you got just kicked all over the field with ease, uh, both defensively and offensively. It's just a really, really bad situation. And it just looked terrible. The optics are terrible. And I'm not going to kill fields for the fumble or for the interception. Like the interception was bad. It wasn't great. But at that point in the game, like, you got to take some risks and you, mm-hmm. you like you're playing from behind. You don't like talk is winding down. Yeah. You, you got to try and take some risks at some point. So I, I'm not going to kill fields for that. It's just, he didn't have a terrible performance. That makes you think, I mean, like I tweeted it, but I was like half kidding t- tongue in cheek. Like, all right, Caleb Williams, when, but Stop. like also Shadur Sanders. Yeah, yeah. Like that was, that was really fun. But like, it's just also, like he didn't have the coming out party. That's like, oh yeah, this is our guy. All right, we're good. This part's good. It's just you didn't learn anything, and that just isn't the best. <laughs> like you were hoping to learn something about Fields in this week one, and you just really didn't. And now the risk is that the team just might be really bad. I don't think the team's gonna be really bad. I think the floor for this team is six wins. So. I, I and I'll and floor I'll, the floor. I think the floor is six wins. I would be shocked. Oh, I after st- yesterday, I think there's serious bottom out potential no, here. I, no, 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 no. I don't. There's not. There, there's not bottom. The out absolute potential. floor is last year's result. No, I, I would. I would disagree. <laughs> the basement. The basement. The catacombs, if you will. Three wins. Yes. Everything had to go wrong for them to get three wins last year. I. I. I so like, maybe you, maybe five. Are you, are you assuming health? Is that what's happening? I mean, yeah, because you can't not assume health. It's just it, so you're it, assuming it's, a healthy it, season. Okay. Yes. I'm just saying, like, that's what I, when yeah. I say bottom out potential, like that's Fields what I gets mean. Hurt. Like, yeah. Because like you already have Kyler Gordon hurt, and he was one of your hopeful I mean, breakout yeah. guys. Like Quan Brisker had to leave the game a couple. Like that's just that's what I mean. Like that bottom out potential. By that I mean like one or two injuries, and it's whew, you're in a real bad situation. Yeah, that's just what I mean. Yeah. No, okay. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but assuming health, I think I think the floor is still six wins. But let's talk about Justin Fields. Let, let's do that. Let, let's get into it. Um, we had it yesterday, Jake. We uh, did our first post game, you know, stream on six side with the score with Olin Krutz and Pat Manley. We had it in the comments. I mean, we we the said calls this was going to happen. Tyson Bajent. Yeah, they were there. We had a call this morning on Mullion Hall. Where's Where's this Bajent kid? Why would this Justin Fields guy can't throw the football? Um, you that game's not on Justin Fields whatsoever. You can look back, and I'm sure when you watch the All 22, you can find plays where he could have hit a guy down the field. Sure, you can you you can critique the fumble. Guess what? Jalen Hurts did the same exact thing with three minutes left in the game again. Or not three minutes. He did the exact same thing against the Patriots. Jalen Hurts, who everyone thinks is the MVP of the league, which might be true. Same exact thing with the fumble. The fumble I'm referencing. Try to run the ball. That that's gonna happen mm-hmm. when you're a guy that just feels trying to make plays. They, the the fumbles are gonna happen. I'm, I'm, that's not a big deal. If you go through the all twenty two, you can find you can find you can find mistakes on Patrick. You can find more mistakes probably on Patrick Mahomes' resume from Thursday. You can find on Justin Fields. You know, just because they weren't throwing the ball down the field. Like I'm not gonna take a lot away from that, and my perception of him is not going to change uh, for that because the one the couple times that you threw down the field. One is a touchdown. It's a perfect ball in the corner of the end zone to Darnell Mooney. The other one is, yep. yeah, he's trying to do a little bit too much. You're down 17. The, the, the game felt over at that point anyway. You yep. try to fit into a hole. Throws an absolute rocket. It gets picked off by Quay Walker. I'm not 
knocking Justin Fields in this game. But I still feel, and I know we said, and I said this, that it's going to take a couple of weeks for him to feel comfortable behind behind this offensive line. And boy, did he not have a reason to feel comfortable on Sunday. But I still didn't feel that confidence from him to, to have trust in his offensive line to protect for him. And, like, again, you can't blame the guy. I mean, there's an image going around on Twitter of a drop-back shotgun play where Fields is is in the pocket, and literally all four offensive linemen for the Bears are facing the other way, and all four defensive linemen of the Packers are facing Justin Fields. And that's a decent defensive front, but it's not the Dallas Cowboys. It's not the Los Angeles Chargers. Like, that should not be happening. And... I just I I know people are gonna say you're making excuses. You're making excuses. All you do is make excuses about Fields. Last year he had no playmakers in offensive line. Now he's got the playmakers, but now this year he doesn't have the offensive line. When are we gonna when are we gonna know? When are we gonna find out? I'm sorry, it's not my fault. You just you can't learn it yet. You can't take it away yet. Until you give Justin Fields two and a half seconds to throw, yep. you're not going to know what he's capable of inside the pocket. And, I, and, and and this is the thing, too. Like, if you take a player like Anthony Richardson, who is not a prolific passer in college, like, maybe you can have those questions. But statistically, historically, if you give Justin Fields time in the pocket, he's going to make a good throw. We Like, it is a fact. We didn't just see it in college. We've seen it in the NFL. We saw it on Sunday. You give Justin Fields time, he'll make a throw. He'll make a play for you. It is a fact. But he just isn't. He just doesn't have the confidence yet to sit behind that offensive line and 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 have enough time to deliver throws down the field. And that's why I thought part of the game plan would be to target DJ more intermediately, get you routes that can get him open. And they did it twice. They did it in the red zone. If you remember, they had the play that was sort of an out route that he you know broke a tackle, got the first down, and then in the red zone against Jair Alexander. Jair Alexander's playing off coverage, playing soft, like six yards off. I, it might have been a how route. He just looks at him. He says slant route. Another first down right there. That's what you should have been doing all day. Like if you're concerned about the offensive line play, then that's the way you get around it. Not screen passes. Not counter left. You run short routes with your great playmakers and get the ball in their hands and help make a play. So I'm like, I know you're not out on him. And I and I think in general, a majority of the fan base kind of is under that same, you know, school of thought as far as hey, the offensive line was so bad that you can't learn. So I mean, that's what it boils down to. And again, we talked about it before, and I think that that's just the key is he needs to just take control of the offense, and yeah. he did he does that on the field with his leg. Like he takes control on the field. But this is before the sun. This is before the game on Sunday. Control. This is going into the office and saying, "This is the way we're going to do things." DJ, we're putting the ball in your hands. That's what we're going to do. Um, but I just want to know your overall reaction and and you know your overall evaluation of Fields. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to put the kid out to see yet. Uh, like, yes, are there? I mean, it's kind of like I said, we just didn't learn anything. The throw to Darnell Mooney, the touchdown throw, was incredible. Like, awesome throw. And, and like you said, I mean, with the slant route too, like calling that, that's great. It's kind of the things that we were hoping to see on a bigger scale and, and more than just a one play here or there. That's the, that's the thing. So I think you're right, Justin Fields. And maybe it even, he's, cause you know what? And I mean, this very, very complimentary DJ Moore is a noted asshole. Like he's famously like got that edge to him. Maybe it's DJ Moore going into the offense saying, I need the ball. Like, what are we doing here? Said it today. Because Justin Fields isn't that guy. And, and again, that's not a knock on Justin Fields. He's just a coachable guy. He's trying to, you know, work with his coaches. That's fine. Like, I still believe that Justin Fields has the talent. I, again, I'm not going to kill. Like, the fumble wasn't great, but whatever. The interception, I'm not going to knock him for that because you're down by a billion and the clock's winding down. You got to try and make something happen. I get it. But. I just wish I had learned more one way or the other. It didn't even have to be positive. I just wish I learned more one way or the other. And it's seeming like, like we've said all show, that Luke Getze is just unwilling to let us learn that. And it's week one. Mm-hmm. Maybe that changes. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, next week you have to be taking more vertical shots. You have to be, like, and back to a point I made a few minutes ago, like to 10, 15 minutes ago, if you don't trust the offensive line to give Justin Fields a pocket to let things develop down the field, how are you going to trust them to adequately block for a screenplay? 
That doesn't make sense. Like that math does not make sense to me. So if you're going to pick one, pick the vertical game, do that. Screenplays got you nowhere yesterday and it's not going to help anything for Justin Fields with his confidence or with anything and how he feels about the play calling. Just get more vertical. I'm so sick of screen passes. You don't win football games with screen passes. You just don't. You can, you can have one or two yeah. as a novelty if you really yeah. want, but building your offense around screen passes is only going to end up in disaster every single time. So I'm still in on Justin Fields. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not off the train yet. I'm not off the bandwagon yet. You know, if if he continues to, I don't even want to say devolve, but if things don't get better and we don't see that leap, whether that be because of Luke Getze refusing to call the plays the right way or Justin Fields just not demanding that of his offensive coordinator, then we'll have that conversation when we get there. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not calling for Tyson Badgett. Like, that's a, like we did say that, though. We said that in the season preview. Like, the minute Justin Fields does something wrong, the minute they lose a the game, like, those calls, those tweets, those texts are going to happen. And it's just one very small subsection of insane people on Twitter. Uh, and... Other than that, like it's Justin Fields' team uh, for until further notice. Still, the list of players that Justin Fields threw for more yards than on Sunday: Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Joe Burrow. Like you See, know, but, but like some and, of that's and, and sure, the screens, context, like, it's just like, like yeah, context sure. matters. But like. So many people want to point to the stats when it comes to Justin Fields. Sure, yeah. Point to the stats. Yep. He's on pace to throw for three thousand seven hundred yards statistically. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, it, like, if that's your case, it's a bad one. Yeah. Um. Right. So I, I, I don't know. I just like, and, and and I think too, like, did he go over his rushing total? He had fifty nine. I don't know what his rushing total was. I think like, it was in the forties. I think what I partially was worried about this year was. He would be so focused on he would be so focused on passing the ball from the pocket that he would get rid of what makes him great. Right? Like being an athlete, yeah. Being an athlete. Like whether you like it or not, whether you believe it's sustainable or not, that's what makes him great. Even if he only has ten years of it, and by the time he's thirty four, he's gonna have to throw more. Use your legs while you can. Use what makes you great while you can. He did that nine carries, 59 yards. He had a couple of plays, especially in that first half where he extended um, plays for first downs, and those things are just impossible for defenses to game plan for. So I like that he's, you know, not taking that away. Had a nice little 14 fantasy points to me. That was fine. Um, We'll take it. One other positive before we break down. We have one positive from the game. We have a positive from the game. Believe it or not. Something good. We learned something good from the game. Um, Roshan Johnson is RB1. He might be really good. He might be really good. As a pass catcher, Yeah. where did this come from? Six receptions, 35 yards, five and a half average. You know, big plays, trucking people. Yeah. He had a rushing touchdown. He's a big dude. Five carries for 20 yards. We knew that he was that type of runner as a bruiser. Right, and that's what we kind of thought his role would be in this offense as a rookie. Yeah, you're run through people on third and ones, which you're gonna do. Uh, he looked more versatile than that. Yep. And Clue Herbert had a couple chunk plays; he was fine. But I think, like when you watch Clue, when you watched Roshan Johnson run the football, it felt inspiring. It was intimidating. For some it was intimidating. It was yeah, inspiring. I agree with that. It it, it it got me off my couch when he trucked. I was like, let's go. This is Bears Packers. We might have a chance in this game. Right? Like all of the things. And you kinda you kinda need that. You you need that, man. That's what you need from players across the roster. And I feel like you don't get that from any other players. Um, you get it from Roshan Johnson. Big day for him. I would love, 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 love to see him be RB1 and get a brunt of the carries. And I thought Foreman was fine in a couple spots too. He was he was pretty good. Yeah, um, I think so. that uh Roshan Johnson's going to be moving up the depth chart. I think I think he's going to get a significantly higher share of uh, the carries in the workload next week, which is good, you know. So uh, I, yeah, I'm fine with that. Um, I'm re- trying to read fast. Hey, you know that's what we're here for on a Monday. Shout out, shout out to everybody in the football chat. CF Candy. Everyone, he says just a final question before I head out. Shout out to you guys for making this pod and helping me get through my Monday. Yeah, man. I, I mean, it's lem- the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, his, his question. His question. We didn't read the question. Yeah. How long do we have to evaluate the GM plus the coaching staff? Polls needs to do better. 
I mean, the coaching staff, historically, GMs last longer than coaches. I mean, I still think that Eberflus would have to be truly awful for the rest of the year to get fired. Poles, I think they get. I think he's got a long leash. Poles got a long, I think he's got a long, long, leash. long, long leash. Because he didn't even approach, draft the quarterback. And because the the approach to the draft of stockpiling assets is the correct way to go about it too, even if he's not making the correct, at least on the surface right now after one week, additions and free agency. Like, I, I don't know. I, I think this is a years long thing. Uh, you know, just look at how long they gave Pace and Nagy. So yeah. This uh this ownership is famously very uh, patient when it comes to that. So uh, I got one more thing for you. We have to remember that we root for two teams on Sundays. We root for the Chicago Bears and we root against the Carolina Panthers. Yep. Whoever is playing the Carolina the Bears Panthers. Bears went one and one this week. The Panthers lose. We we're one and one. I don't we're know why everyone's crying. We're, we're five hundred. We're gonna get that number one overall pick. We're feeling great. What are what are we doing here? We're one and one. Come on now. Let's get the spirits up. Everybody in the chat, what are we doing? This is a good day. Panthers lose. Panthers lose. You're an idiot. We're okay. gonna have the number one and number two overall pick. All right. We will be back on Wednesday to break down the upcoming week two matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We did a little bit today. We kind of got a little sidetracked into that, but we'll go full breakdown. We'll go through the rosters, what we expect. Of course, we'll have quotes from more people in the Bears, you know, offices and at Hallis Hall. So, you know, come with us on Wednesday. We'll be here. We're gonna break down the preview of the Buccaneers game. So until then, appreciate everybody in the chat. Appreciate all the listeners, all the viewers. Hard day. Not the most fun pod we've ever done, but pressure makes diamonds, baby. So that's what we're here for. All right, join us on Wednesday for the Tampa preview. Until then, for myself, for Kevin Lapka, as always, this has been Bears Nation Podcast and Bear Down.